Hello and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the Financial Brand. Recently, NCR increased their ability to deliver a complete digital currency solution to its customers and including the ability to buy and sell cryptocurrency, conduct cross-border remittance, and accept digital currency payments across digital and physical channels. Beyond offering financial institutions a secure way to perform digital currency transactions from a mobile banking app, website, or customer service center, the NCR solution has also run on ATMs, kiosks, and point-of-sale terminals. We are fortunate to have Tim Vanderham, Chief Technology Officer of NCR Corporation, the Banking Transform podcast today. He will discuss the opportunities and challenges traditional banks face in offering digital currency solutions. So welcome to the show, Tim. You know, we often talk about legacy financial institutions on this show, but there are few organizations in the banking space with a richer history of transformation than NCR, formed in 1884 as the National Cash Register Corporation for us old people that still remember that name. NCR has been at the forefront of global commerce since its beginning, building software, hardware, and solutions for restaurants, retailers, and banks. You know, interesting, in in its recent foray into digital currencies, it's basically an extension of this mission from 1884. So first of all, Tim, almost anyone in the financial services industry realizes that the popularity of cryptocurrency is skyrocketing. What is behind this growth and why should financial institutions of all sizes be paying attention? Yeah, Jim, that's a great question. And thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate looking forward to the conversation. You know, the consumer uptake around cryptocurrencies, digital assets, specifically Bitcoin, but many others is exploding. And we're seeing that happen um, literally day in and day out. We started the Super Bowl. We, we just see the, the advancement of usage happening literally around us every day. You know, Bitcoinist uh, and former Google employee Michael Levin uh, is actually predicting uh, when you look at the growth rates of Bitcoin usage, that it's going to be uh, get to a billion users in half the time the internet took to get to a billion users. So let me just put that into context. The internet went from about 150 million users in 1997 to 1 billion in 2005. We're about 130 million users of Bitcoin today. So just one of the cryptocurrencies that's available. And we're predicting that we will be at 1 billion by the end of 2025 in four years. So when we think about what the internet has done for all of us as consumers, financial institutions, and and really the entire world, I fundamentally believe that this technology, blockchain, cryptocurrencies, digital assets are are that next technology revolution. And it's extremely important for all of us as consumers, as well as owners of companies, banks, credit unions, et cetera, to embrace the technology, understand it, and ensure that we're embracing this because consumers are going to embrace it, whether we're giving it to them or somebody else is giving it to them. Well, it was interesting, you know, not too long ago, when you thought about Bitcoin, you think of some, you know, young guy in his basement of his parents' house trading crypto and 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 hoping to make a quick a turn of money because it was more speculative. But what do you say to the banking executives who thinks that crypto may never go, you know, mainstream and that it's not a threat to the banking industry? Well, I would tell you uh, what I just said is part of that answer, right? And how quickly it's going to get to a billion users 
Um, and, and when you think about uh, what consumers are doing, consumers don't care if this is a currency, it's a security, uh, it's a speculative coin, uh, it's a store of value similar to gold. Like at the end of the day, we shouldn't sit here and speculate. And from me and NCR's perspective, we don't necessarily care. We'll care around what regulations we have to follow, but we don't care why consumers want to em embrace it and use it, but they are. And so, you know, I talked to lots of, of, of banks, CEOs, CIOs, I actually just chatted with the board of a credit union last week, helping educate them on the ins and outs of what it means to have this cryptocurrency or digital assets and why it's so important. And so I would tell all of them that if you're not already thinking about it, you're probably a little late to the game already. Now you don't have to have it implemented, but you need to start formulating a strategy because if you don't have a strategy, you're going to be left behind when it comes to the consumer adoption of these currencies and of these assets. So, so really, this is, if you get down to the core of this, this is about share of wallet, isn't it? Because really, when you look at what is happening in the financial services industry, people aren't closing accounts, but they're opening a lot of relationships outside of their traditional financial institution. And probably the trading of crypto and the use of other currencies is just another investment, another way to pare back that share of wallet. So is, is this really what we're looking at here, which is trying to retain some semblance of a share of wallet in an area that is growing extraordinarily quickly? Uh, I think absolutely. I'll, I'll give you a, 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 a stat. I chatted with the CEO of a $50 billion bank uh, a couple of weeks ago. and. Uh, the CEO told me that they tracked it over the course of 2021. They had $400 million leave their front door in 2021 to Coinbase. And Coinbase is only one of the, the uh, I, I shouldn't say upstarts, but only one of the financial institutions, I'll call them, that is trying to disintermediate traditional financial institutions, banks, credit unions, and, and really the customers that NCR serves. And so when we start thinking about um, why cryptocurrency, why digital assets, why support this, when that money leaves your front door as a financial institution, it's probably not coming back. Uh, and if money starts to leave, um, customers potentially start to leave. Now, they may not leave um, overnight, but when you think about what these uh, decentralized finance institutions are doing, they're looking at bring, being able to bring you to mortgages and lending and loans and, and starting to give you financial services advice. All the things that trusted banks, trusted credit unions generally have for their members and their customers. And so when I'm talking to banks and, and leaders at these financial institutions, it's all about, do you want to retain your customer base? And do you want to attract new customers and new members into your financial institution? And the answer has to be yes, right? I mean, we, we all need to keep growing. And so you need to be competitive with the Coinbase's, the BlockFi's, um, you know, the, all of the fintech startups that are starting to do these types of offerings. And so what we tell customers is, our customers is, we want to do it in a consumer and bank-friendly way. Let's not have that $400 million from that one bank uh, that I referenced. I, I chatted with a credit union last week as well, and they said they've seen about $10 million at a much smaller base leave their front door. Let's not allow that money to leave the front door. Let's allow that money to stay uh, with the financial institution. Uh, you give them that uh, that security, that advice, that 
that, that trusted advice you have been for years. And uh, let's allow you to grow your business and not have money leaving the front door. You know, it's interesting you bring this up because, you know, one of the case studies that I heard, I guess it was two weeks ago now, was an organization said, you know, during the, the government stimulus packages, there was just a lot of money coming in and savings accounts were growing. And we thought savings rates were getting to a, a new level that hopefully would not fall back again. And then they started looking at what else happened. And they found, as, as you referenced, that a the most significant amount was going out of the institution ever for Robinhood and for Coinbase. And so sometimes we get blinded by the good news and we miss the bad news that's underneath the surface a bit. You know, when you look at crypto, when you look at digital commerce, it, you know, cryptocurrency is more than just a Coinbase scenario. It's, it's really part of the global commerce, which really I think is probably why NCR is pursuing it and offering these services for their clients. So what is your vision of digital currencies in the evolving payment system, and how do you see it being used in a year or three to five years ahead of time? So um, I've got a vision of three to five years, but, but I've also got a reality of what's happening today. So when we acquired Liberty X, we acquired it because we saw three fundamental use cases today that were core and centric. Buying and selling of cryptocurrency and allowing our customers, banks, credit unions, retailers, restaurants, to engage in that, um, that ecosystem. Uh, we actually also see it in remittance cross-border. So when you start thinking about a faster, cheaper, safer way to remit money from the US to Brazil or Argentina or Mexico, using crypto rails is actually um, uh, a, a faster, safer, cheaper, better way uh, than traditional rails. And then payments, as you just referenced. Well, payments is still fairly nascent around using Bitcoin or speculative coins, other altcoins for payments, stable coins are not nascent in using payments. When you start thinking about B2B, B2C, C2B, and C2C. So every form of payment that a business and a consumer can engage in, stable coins are, 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 are pretty prevalent today. So a stable coin is generally backed or pinned to a um, fiat currency. And, and several of the largest ones are all pinned to the US dollar uh, backed by T-bills. One of the most popular ones is USDC. So Jeremy Allaire, the CEO of, of Circle, which manages the USDC stablecoin, was just uh, quoted a couple of weeks ago of talking about how many trillion dollars were used with USDC in 2021 to make a form of payment or transaction. That number, was 2.4 million, 2.4 trillion dollars of stablecoin used in transactions in 2021. So while payments with Bitcoin and other altcoins is still fairly nascent, although it's happening at gas stations and grocery stores and um, NCR supporting those. So we, we just went live last week with Sheets um, to, to be the first fuel location in the US where you can actually pay with crypto at the fuel pump. So us, Flexa, and Sheets. So, so while nascent, it's still pretty interesting. But when people are cashing out their cryptocurrencies or their NFTs back into stablecoin, they're going to use those stablecoins to make payments to their colleagues, their peers, their friends, even to businesses. And that's happening today. So that's why this ecosystem is so important for our financial institutions, for our retailers and our restaurants. And that's why NCR is engaged in this ecosystem, because while... 
We may not see it every day in our day-to-day lives as a consumer. It's happening in, in, in droves of transactions every day and only growing. So it's interesting, and you mentioned the relationship with Sheets, but you know that that's just facilitating what people want to do on, the, on a B2C basis. Why would consumers want to purchase or manage their crypto through a traditional financial institution as opposed to an app like Coinbase or someplace else? You know, I think at the end of the day, most consumers trust their financial institution. NCR ran a Harris poll where three out of five respondents said they would prefer to engage with the cryptocurrencies or digital assets through their financial institution because it's trusted. And also, how many of us like this wallet proliferation that's happening? I would rather be able to go to my digital banking app, right, through NCR or whoever your digital banking solution is, and be able to see my checking account, my savings account, my mortgages, my loans. Um, You can federate in your securities. I want my digital assets to be there as well. I want my Bitcoin, my Cardano, my Ethereum, my stablecoin. I want to be able to see that in one view. And then when I'm in my wallet, in my digital, my digital wallet, my digital app for my, through my financial institution, I can choose how I want to pay. Maybe I want to pay with my debit card. I'm going to get cash well, back. It's very much like we do today with different cards and things like that. So you, you basically would be within, let's say, the PNC app for me. And, and I'd be able to select, oh, by the way, I'd like to pay it with digital currency as opposed to my, my, bank, my traditional bank account. That, that's right. And so I think as consumers, we want to be in a trusted location, which our financial institution is. We want to be able to get advice on it, right? Because let's be honest, um, you know, there are very few people that truly understand what they're looking at when they get into cryptocurrency. Now, many of them learn, but they're learning on their own. They're learning through Google. They're learning through, you know, whatever medium. If we can help our financial institutions educate their customers, credit unions educate their members, Um, That's a way to not only retain their current customer base, but also attract new customers and new members because as people are going to this model and they've got maybe maybe they're a 20 year old that has a bunch of crypto, but they want to get into a more traditional set of of assets as well. Well, we want to we want to bring them to our customers, to our banks and our credit unions. And so having this capability having the knowledge about it will allow you to not only retain your current, but attract new. You know, it's interesting, you, you referenced the the education aspect, and that's probably one of the biggest challenges of offering digital currencies at a traditional financial institution. I know that if I went to my, my traditional financial institution today and asked them about digital currencies, they wouldn't have a clue. Now, I may be wrong, but I think it would be a, a helter-skelter type situation that I may get somebody that happens to know about it, but it's not from being taught within the financial institutions. How do you see organizations or how would you recommend that organizations get up to speed with their employees and the people that are going to be handling this so they can talk intelligently about why this may be a good option or maybe just why their institution is a good option for something they don't fully understand the dynamics of? You know, I think as every financial institution has has gone into um, new endeavors, right? Um, new uh, financial advising around certain markets, certain funds, whatever it might be, you have to go through that learning curve, build a wealth of knowledge inside the financial institution, and then roll that out. And so as we are out, NCR is out talking to our our banks and our credit unions, we're telling them that's part of the strategy. It's not just about lighting up the digital banking app and now allowing their customers to opt in and buy Bitcoin or buy Ethereum through NCR, um, through, through their NCR partnership. 
it, it goes much deeper than that. And so we're trying to educate um, the executive leadership team of banks, uh, the board members of banks and credit unions, and, and they're going to need to go hire some individuals that, that truly understand this landscape. And, and let's be honest, it, it's really hard to speculate and to follow every trend of every cryptocurrency, but there are the, the, the primary ones that are the most um, used, that are, that, are, that are the most um, popular. Start there and grow over time. I often get asked questions of, does NCR and Liberty X support more than Bitcoin? Today, we don't because Bitcoin is 90% of the popularity in the market. We will add others like Ethereum and stablecoin like USDC, et cetera. But that comes as consumers want to consume it and want to leverage it more and more. So our, our credit unions, our banks must educate, must hire people that will be resident experts on this topic and then leverage that out through their educational portals, through their, through their mobile apps to ensure their, their customers and their members understand what this technology means and what cryptocurrency can do for them within their portfolio. So while the acquisition of Liberty was a, a somewhat recent phenomenon, NCR has been involved in crypto for longer than that, haven't they? And, and has been talking to your financial institution partners and your merchant partners about uh, digital uh, currency in the past, correct? Yeah, we have. So actually, interestingly enough, um, I kind of started this in third quarter of 2019, really talking about digital wallets, digital assets, and how we were going to start bringing that technology set into our offerings across financial institutions, retailers, and restaurants. Then this little thing, COVID, happened um, and, and slowed us up a little bit around our advancements. But yeah, we had partnerships in market um, with Nidig, with Flexa, with Gemini, with other, um, I'll say, pretty large name uh, digital asset companies because we knew where the puck was going. We knew this technology trend wasn't a fly-by-night wasn't a, a flash and going to be gone. We knew where it was going. And so then as I sat back as a chief technology officer and I went to um, our executive investment council and went to our board, you know, if we're going to be a trusted technology provider to banks, credit unions, restaurants, and retailers, we knew it couldn't just be a partnership. We couldn't just be a pass-through. We had to have uh, our own technology that was going to make us differentiated um, in the market for our customers. And so while our partnerships will still exist, we'll still leverage our relationships with partnerships. We knew we needed to bring in core blockchain cryptocurrency technology to be embedded in our platform, our channel services platform on the banking side, our, um, our NCR commerce platform for the retail and restaurant side, and truly expose these APIs so that as we put crypto in every corner and, and enable it at all of our digital and physical touch points, we can have this embedded in our platform from day one uh, to really give the best advantage to our customers in the market. You know, you, you just referenced it, you know, Bitcoin at every corner. When you're working with a financial institution and you're starting to talk to them about the whole area of digital currencies, are you talking to them in the entire scope of what they can do? So more than just the opening up the doors to trading by consumers, but also making it available in their in their uh, ATMs, making it available to their merchant partners, things of this nature. You're looking at the entire scope of digital currencies, aren't you? Yeah, it's the entire ecosystem. I mean, when I say crypto in every corner or Bitcoin on every block, it's all about in our digital wallet, uh, at ATMs, at ITMs, at self-checkout machines. So when you think about how all the retailers, for example, um, can start to leverage their self-checkout machines, which 
have recyclers for cash in them as well, they can almost become an, uh, an on-ramp to a financial services kiosk. We also just bought uh, Cardtronics. We just merged with Cardtronics back in August. And so you think about their all-point network and the 55,000 endpoints that they have on the all-point network and the 280,000 endpoints they have worldwide, we truly want to enable Bitcoin on every one of those physical touch points as well as digital. And then it's bringing together retailers and, and banks. Every retailer has to have a bank. And so some retailers are going to choose to actually store some of their settlement, probably in crypto. Now, it may not always be Bitcoin. It might be stablecoin. It might be what have you. So we're building out the ecosystem where us as consumers, merchants, uh, whether you're a retailer or a restaurant, um, can all participate in this um, digital asset ecosystem with financial institutions across the globe. Uh, and that's why I'm so bullish in the fact that this technology is going to be here to stay. It's going to be leveraged for real-time payments. It's going to be leveraged by us as consumers. Um, and NCR is just at the beginning of what we're doing uh, with our offerings. Well, it's interesting when you look at the banking ecosystem right now, how much is being driven by commerce and the payments marketplace. You know, you talked about um, the uh, real-time payments. You talk about digital coin. You talk about Bitcoin. You talk about cryptocurrencies. We can talk about um, buy now, pay later. You know, how important right now is it for financial institutions to really get up to speed on what's going ahead, try to get ahead of the trends? How important it is the speed of innovation with regard to all these products we're talking about. The speed of innovation is paramount when it comes to financial institutions. You just rattle off a number of things that are happening uh, and there'll be more and more as it gets into NFTs and dare I say the metaverse uh, and how you really attract um, these consumers that are 15 to 25 to 35 today that are having completely different lifestyles and completely different interaction models than you do, Jim, than I do, and that many of us do across the globe. And, and so, you know, when we're talking to our customers, we're talking about the here and now, the tactical, what we got to go do today, tomorrow, the next three months. But there's always a conversation about innovation and that speed of innovation. What we always tell our customers is we want to be ahead of you, right? NCR wants to be innovating. So most of our customers look at us, so you bought Liberty X, why? And I'm like, you may not want it today, but you're going to want it in three, six, maybe nine months, which I hope isn't too late. And when you want it, it's going to be there and it'll be ready like that. And so that's what we're doing, what we're focused on and talking to all of our customers about to make sure they're aware of the, you know, where the waves are going and, and where innovation is going in this financial services ecosystem, which is only getting faster and faster every day. You know, we, we talked about it before the show started, and I've talked about on previous podcasts that really the only way for institutions of all sizes, the very biggest and the very smallest to keep up with what's going on in the financial institution marketplace is really through partnerships. We have partners in every element of what we have to fix in banking that are bringing this innovation to speed, that are really saying, we will be your partner that can bring you on board quickly and easily. And, and we, I, I kid about the fact that we can no longer talk about what we're going to do in 2022. We got to talk about what we're going to do in March and April, um, which right. right now we're in February. And we have to look at the fact that we, we're dealing with a much shorter time frame of innovation overall. Now, the challenge is, 
we have legacy leadership and we have legacy organizations that are used to a much slower pace. We're used to things happening slowly and working against us is the fact that we're all making money. You know, if there's no pain, it's really hard to say we'll disrupt everything to look at new innovations. So when you get in front of traditional banks and credit unions, what is their hesitation to move forward? What are their concerns about being a leader as opposed to a follower? And we talk about fast follower, but there is no such thing really today because if you're a follower, you are a follower. What, what do you see as the biggest challenge? What, what hesitation when you get in front of somebody, they go, they keep on shaking their head. Yes, 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 yes. I remember this in the sales world. And then all of a sudden it's time to sign an agreement. They go, uh, not so quick. What what's yeah. holding people up? Uh, I think the biggest two things that are holding people up are um, just unawareness or, or lack of knowledge, and that that creates a little bit of fear or uncertainty, which we're trying to overcome with education and helping them work through it. And the second is the uncertainty around regulation, which um, you know I would say isn't undue because when you hear about what's coming out of the White House and you hear what's coming out of Gensler and the SEC, when you hear what's going on in other international um, forums around, you know, what coins are going to be accepted in what countries and stable coins, and is there going to be a, a, a central bank digital currency that's tied to Fed now? Th there's a lot of uncertainty there. And what I tell them is, is that I went back to an earlier point I made. It doesn't matter if some coins are currencies, some coins are securities, some coins are going to be handled like a store of value or just speculative. Consumers are engaging in this ecosystem, and our financial institutions need to be engaged as well. Now, not recklessly. They obviously need to work with the OCC and keep people apprised and so on and so forth. But there are a number of banks that are already doing this today. So they're not going to be the first. And so what I tell these leaders is, let's get engaged together. Um, NCR is used to FFIEC regulations and audits, and we work in regulated businesses and so leverage us as a trusted partner to bring you on this journey. And while I may not build everything, I may not acquire everything, I will use partnerships with other reputable companies in the market to be able to stitch together the solutions that our banks need, our credit unions need to be successful in March and April. I, lo I love how you said that, Jim. Um, it's, it isn't about what we're going to do at the end of the year or next year. It's what we're going to go do at the end of first quarter and beginning of second quarter. And so. That's what I tell them. I think there's a number of them that are excited about this opportunity. I know we in NCR and myself and our whole banking organization are excited about really launching this with a number of banks and then being able to show reputable results and concrete results of what's been achieved um, and how we've been able to continue moving with the regulations. Regulations are going to change for the next 3, 6, 12, 18 months. We will maintain pace. We will keep our banks compliant. Uh, most importantly, we will do it in a bank and consumer-friendly way. And, um, you know, this is going to take us to the moon. You know, it's interesting. It's the difference between risk mitigation or risk avoidance and risk management. And it's interesting. I was with a finance, one of the top five finance institutions, gosh, it was two years ago now. And they said, we can't wait for the regulators to determine what they want to do. However, we have a good idea of what their overall framework of what they want to do is, and we're going to work within that framework. They, they know what risks they have to avoid. They know it may not be on paper yet, but if you wait for that, you know, I, I said this on many of their shows and in, on the financial brand, you know, unfortunately, regulators are the most legacy of legacy bankers. 
So they're going to work slower than traditional banks will on many cases. And they're, they're more of a follower than even many of the financial institutions are. And we really have to look and say, we know what they're going to be trying to avoid. We know what we want to try to avoid. That's simply an excuse. And, you know, when you look at NCR and you look at the, the involvement you've had through decades of it, your involvement in commerce, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little pivot here. How are you already getting prepared for the marketplaces, NFTs? We're not talking about buying, you know, little illustrations, but the use of NFTs in financial contracts and in financial institutions and even the metaverse. Yeah. So, so you know, we're preparing for that. And Liberty X was part of that transition, right? So we can start to have the ability to custody uh, any cryptocurrency, including NFTs, um, as they're stored there. Um, uh, whether it be a retailer storing something, a financial institution, or consumers through a financial institution. We've already started talking in my innovation lab about how we enable um, our retailers, our restaurants, and our banks to have a location, uh, to have a digital ATM or ITM in the metaverse, to have a, a restaurant or a store on the quarter in the metaverse, which ultimately then just pops up your digital, your digital app you can order and still get, you know, delivery through our platform to your to your door, to your house. And so, you know, this um, Web 3.0 revolution is happening. Uh, and that's something that not a lot of people probably fully understand or, or fully even aware of. But, you know, our job as being a technology provider to our customers is to stay ahead of the, the, the leading edge of where things are going. So I've got my innovation lab here in Atlanta working through what this looks like. We'll do some co-innovation with some progressive banks and retailers um, as we go to that world. And, you know, the, the NFT space is going to be really interesting because many people think, as you just kind of alluded to, it's about digital art. But at the end of the day, when you start combining NFTs as a, a package of, of value, and then tying that with smart contracts, which can be running uh, on our blockchain networks, and you can start to think of really interesting ways. You mentioned buy now, pay later um, earlier. Are there ways that we can leverage um, blockchain, NFTs, cryptocurrency as a medium to do buy now, pay later in a direct forum between financial institutions and, and our retailers? Actually, we're in a global hackathon every year here at NCR. And last year, the winning uh, idea was just that creating this ecosystem, leveraging blockchain, smart contracts for uh, to do a reverse auction of buy now, pay later assets from retailers into banks. And so, you know, I, I, I smile because I get to love my job so much that we're thinking about these advanced things, which, yeah, that's happening in places in the market today, but it's other companies that are creating that. If we can create those types of conduits, those types of innovations, within our existing platform that banks, credit unions, and retailers are using today, it's going to be really powerful. And then that speed of innovation is just going to be unlocked by using a new set of APIs or a new set of capabilities uh, within the existing solutions for our, our current customers. Well, it's interesting because I got to sometimes take things down to the bare minimums. And one of the case studies I heard of for NFTs that, that seemed very logical to me was in the ticketing business. You know, we, we in the in major sports, we've just maybe gone into the third year of mobile ticketing being the only way to to be able to do. It. And that was prompted by obviously COVID where physical tickets just weren't logical anymore. 
But if you look at the possibility of using NFTs, collectible NFTs as a way to enter an event, it allows you to get back to what a lot of people like myself liked, which was I liked the physical ticket because I said I could say I was at this event, where a mobile ticket you really can't. But with NFTs, you all of a sudden could trade within people. You can have different levels of of scale of access and, and availability of going to see, you know, celebrities or, or music concerts or, or sporting events. And you combine the NFT capability, collectible NFT capability with ticketing, with contracts. And it really gets kind of interesting. And then you can see it in different viewpoints. But you just think about how quickly this is all happening. You know, it, it's really kind of interesting to see what may happen. So, you know, finally, what do you see as the biggest trend in financial institutions and in payments that they must embrace in the next three to five years? And what will change banking more than anything else on the horizon? So uh, I think one thing I haven't really mentioned, but it ties into what you're saying with NFTs, and that's digital identity. We've got to ensure that over the next three to five years, and I would say even before that, Banks truly embrace this notion of KYC AML, which is absolutely a requirement. We're going to continue to, to, to have that, but truly store your digital identity, your self-sovereign identity that, that I attest to, my bank attests to, my government attests to. We will get to a unified ID that is digital, that is self-sovereign, that is managed by me. Uh, and then I can share that with my trusted partners, my financial institutions, my retailers that I go to, et cetera. Like that's at the core of this because the core of all this cryptocurrencies, NFTs, digital assets is going to be, am I, do I feel comf- confident and comfortable as a consumer that it's tied to my identity, that I control my identity and that I control who has access to me in this ecosystem? I, I think that's one of the biggest things that's going to be a technology underpinning for our banks and our credit union. And and that only certain doors have to be opened at any time. So it's not an all or nothing type environment where, you you know, once you give your digital identity, it's everything. No, you can say, I'll leave you, I'll let you have access to this part of my digital identity. Yeah. And it's access to part of it. It's access for a certain time box. You can revoke it back. Uh, You can ask for others to attest to you. So you get a trust score that it's even higher as to who you are. Like there's a whole ecosystem here that, we're just scratching the surface on right now that, that I think is uh, the underpinnings to where we're going. Uh, it's not as sexy as Bitcoin and, and other cryptocurrencies, maybe NFTs either, but it, it is going to be there. And I think we all need to be aware of that at a technology level. Uh, and then leveraging that, I think the biggest thing is going to be money movement. How do we get to a, a different form of money movement that includes fiat, that include, I mean, checks are still here, cash is still here. We don't believe those are going away anytime soon. But digital assets are here as well. And then leveraging that for money movement and payments and least cost routing. And and there's just a whole series of things that revolves around money movement uh, at a peer-to-peer level, at a a consumer-to-business level, and a business-to-business level. And then as we were talking earlier, um, it gets into the government level when it comes to taxes. So I think money movement is going to be one of the biggest things that we all in this technology space for financial institutions, and then all of the merchants across the globe need to understand and need to get ready to embrace uh, because that will greatly evolve over the next three to five years. So, Tim, I'm going to ask you a personal question because it, it, it interests me. You, you, you are a wealth of knowledge and, and you're working with a firm that you need that wealth of knowledge because it's moving fairly quickly also. A lot of us, a lot of my listeners, myself included, are trying their hardest to try to keep up to date on what's happening beyond what we know today. 
How do you keep up to date and get ahead of the curve as far as what could be on the horizon? You know, I, I follow, um, I think, some really key blogs and really key leaders in this space, but they're always evolving as well. Uh, and I really challenge my teams. So I mentioned my innovation lab a couple of times in this session. Uh, I've got a couple of guys on my innovation lab that like live and breathe uh, cryptocurrency. And because and I've got a large portfolio, it's hard for me to keep up as you, as you kind of reference. I leverage them. They're out in the metaverse. They are out doing this in their personal lives. Uh, the Liberty X acquisition, Chris and Kyle, uh, and the CTO there, Craigan, um, you know, kind of live this day in and day out. And I just immerse myself with them on a regular basis to, to keep pace and to make sure that we understand, you know, where it's going. So for anybody that's truly interested in this technology space, you know, follow, um, follow leaders that you find, follow me who also follows other leaders, follow people that, that are in my team. Um, and, and nobody knows everything, but we, we cross section, we, we read a lot. Uh, we're on a lot of forums and we make sure that we know, um, what's happening in the market best we can. So most importantly, I can be talking to you, Jim, I can be talking to our customers and we can keep guiding them in the right way. Um, cause at the end of the day, NCR, it will take advantage of this of this new ecosystem, of this growth, because we're a publicly traded company, we have to do that. But we're going to do it in a way that is friendly to our banks, our credit unions, our retailers, and our restaurants, uh, which would I, I would argue not all fintechs and not all these decentralized finance companies are doing. So it's fun for me to be able to look at the tech and then figure out how I can apply it to our customer base to really advance them moving forward throughout the rest of this year and into the future. It's interesting that the the power of self-education has never been more important because it's the only way, it, not just about banking, but anything going on, that if you sit still and stay in your the past, that the future gets further and further away. I I, I think I mentioned it before uh, our, our call um, publicly about a ropes course where, you know, in a ropes course, you go from one rope to the next. And if you don't let go of the previous rope, you get further and further away from your destination. And I think that's, a, that's an analogy that you have to take. And, and, you know, it's one of the reasons why I'm doing the podcast. I started two and a half years ago, basically, to find a new way to educate the marketplace. And I really appreciate you being on the show today, Tim. It's been a great conversation. Um, we, we will revisit this in the future. Thank you. I appreciate the time, Jim. Great to uh, talk with you as always and look forward to the future as well. Thanks for listening to Banking Transformed. Rated as a top five banking podcast and winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. We really appreciate the support you've provided since we started this endeavor. If you enjoy our show, please be sure to provide a review on your favorite podcast platform. Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out the research we're doing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Rowe Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, the future of banking is based on commerce and payments. Now more than ever, bankers must embrace the change that's all around us in that universe.
The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.